Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Jeff Grammer with the Albuquerque Journal, and you are listening to the Talking Grammar Podcast. This is now episode 24 of the podcast. Greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen once again. Podcast numbers have been good. The feedback's been good. And this episode has a little bit of reader feedback. I had asked for some questions. Almost all of it was about Mountain West Conference play, since this is, as I record this, December 3rd, the eve of a uniquely early start to Mountain West Conference play. So after my interview with Lobo point guard J.J. Caldwell, I will cover a little bit of um, kind of the outlook for Mountain West play as it starts, though it's only this week and then it's off again until the first week of January. So don't need to do the full deep dive into the league right now, but I will kind of give you the the lay of the land for the conference as we're four weeks into the season at this point. My uh, my power rankings I had in Tuesday's journal, um, posted Monday night actually on the journal's website and was in Tuesday's print edition, so I'll go over that. And then uh, a little treat at the end, um, this year as I've done the last couple years, I will be picking all the games, my grammar's guesses, and once again my daughter will will be picking against me, so I actually have her on tonight's podcast, and she's at the tail end of the uh, the podcast tonight. So we'll have that at the end, but primarily what this podcast tonight is about is an interview with J.J. Caldwell. He's the junior point guard for the Lobos, and while there's been a lot of hype about this Lobo team and, and the individual talents on it, like Jaquan Lyle, Carlton Bragg, um, Vance Jackson, who certainly has not got it going yet this season, um, for various reasons, I think part of it is is he's a little bit in a slump, but I don't think it's entirely him. I, I don't know that he's entirely getting um, the opportunities, and, and I think he will break out of that at some point. Um, part of it is on him. Part of it is on the rest of the team to to try and get him going because he's a weapon they need. Point being, there's a lot of talent that was talked about going into the season, and J.J. Caldwell, I think people were more curious than anything about him, and the reason being, he was a former top 100 recruit out of the Houston area, but he didn't play his freshman year. He was ruled academically ineligible by the NCAA. Um, his his freshman year, which would have been his second year at Texas A&M, his redshirt freshman year, he played 16 games before being dismissed from the team. And then he left school altogether last year. He was living alone in an apartment in Dallas last year and decided, okay, I can go overseas or I can play college ball. When he decided to get back into the college game, he had so much work he had to to catch back up on last spring. The NCAA did clear him. He got to Albuquerque in the summer. Tyler Stewart, the strength coach, you know, had a crash course on getting him conditioned and ready for the season. And the talent's there, but the guy basically has played 16 games and, and very few minutes in a lot of those games. 16 games over a three-year span since high school. So while we talk a lot about Jaquan Lau having a two-year hiatus, one year as an, an NCAA transfer from Ohio State, and then last year when he was injured, with the Achilles tear, J.J. Caldwell's actually a player who's played very little in a three-year span. So he's nine games into this season playing his first significant minutes since high school. And I think if anybody would have told you he would have been as key to the team's current success, they're 7-2 and two through nine games, if anybody would have told you he would be as key to that success as he has been, um, they would have been, it would have been guesswork at best. Nobody knew he'd be this ready this early. You might've projected it later in the season. He'd pick up the pace and be ready for it, but it's hard to say that anybody could have thought he'd be this ready this early. What I think is interesting is he's not scoring right now. He is a pass first point guard. And when you have the scores around you on the court that, uh, that he does, he's loving being a pass first point guard in this offense because there's shooters everywhere. And, and finishers, and he, he's enjoying that. But what he wasn't before, and he has become now, 
is a very good, I would suggest, potentially great point guard defender. He's a perimeter defender in an in a defense at UNM that is really geared this year at stopping dribble penetration into the paint. He's been very good at that. He also is averaging 2.3 steals a game, so he's been very good on the defensive end, and that is not something they knew he'd be this good at. It's not something he ever was this good at. We talk about that in the podcast a little bit, so I appreciate JJ for taking a little bit of time before practice on Monday. Um, we did have to kind of rush through it a little bit because he, he did have a practice to get to, so um, quick little interview here with JJ Caldwell. After the interview, I will break down a little bit of the Mountain West Conference basketball season ahead, and then a, a little... Um, thanks for indulging me on a little bit of a, a fun personal thing at the end of the podcast where I actually interview my daughter and, and the grammar guesses that is, uh, that will be coming, um, throughout the Mountain West basketball season where my 10 year old daughter and I pick games against each other. And for those that don't know, she did beat me two years ago. I think I know everything about Mountain West basketball and, and all that stuff. And she flips a coin and she, not only did she beat me, this was something I post the picks for before every game, and people following on Twitter remember her picks were all there out before every game, and she not only beat me, but it seems like every follower on Twitter was certainly rooting rooting for her by the end of the year. So um, had a little fun with that. For now, here's the interview I had with J.J. Caldwell, UNM Lobo's junior point guard. Month into the season, you are the new point guard. For, for Lobo basketball, and I think people realize that, obviously, by now, and they've been hearing this name, J.J. Caldwell, for a while, like, oh, there's a new point guard. Um, I'm curious, after one month of the season, where you're at compared to where you thought you'd be one month into the season? Um, I don't really know, honestly, because I really, this, everything's just been moving really fast. Like, it feels like I was just, like, chilling in my, in my room, and then now I'm playing games in front of a lot of people, like, a lot of fans that... It was not like this a year ago from right now. So it's just... It's it wasn't just, like this at all for you. Yeah, yeah at all. We'll, so I it, want to go over that in a minute. But. So, yeah, it was... My expectations were... Always, my expectations were always high. So, I mean, it just... It's kind of it's kind of crazy. Well, you guys haven't just had a month into the season. We're talking about, like, your first four games were over two weeks. They were all home games. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of typical. Yeah. Um, but that, that nine-game road trip, that was real, man. Like, I, there's some people that don't want to hear... You know, players and coaches complain about maybe being tired because of travel and stuff yeah. like that. You guys are all kids. You guys should be fine. But, I mean, that was that was nine days of, of some serious travel and two big games, obviously, on the road, on a bus. It wasn't like you flew down to El Paso or anything. And then two games in New York. What what? Let's let's go over that road trip, and then I want to kind of take a step further back. But uh, that road trip, how how tired were you? <laughs> I was pretty tired. I mean, uh, I just think like we came together more on that trip than any time before the season. Uh, that was the one time where we all bonded, I think, and we all came to, like, more of an agreement. We have to win games like these tough environments to last, you know, throughout the whole season. So this is a good test for us. So I think, you know, that that first um, El Paso, that game was that game was tough. Like, that was a tough game. Did and it surprise you a little bit? I, I think some people maybe were surprised. At maybe not so much how good UTEP was, but – they're starting to fill that, that arena again. That arena used to be full, just like the pit, just like the Pan Am Center, but it hasn't been in a long time. But this year it started getting there. Were, were you guys a little surprised by the environment? Yeah, yeah, no. Like, the, the crowd was definitely there. Um, like, it was just, it was a different environment for us, like, uh, as a team, because this is our first time all together, you know, on a real road trip, real road game. So I think that, like, um, we needed that game to, like, wake up for the next one. 
Um, we wanted to we wanted to get both games. Of course. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean that UTEP was a good team. Like they were they were good. I mean they were well coached all that. All right, I'm gonna back up then. Um, people that don't know JJ Caldwell's history, uh, I know that you and I forget sometimes that you redshirted a year at mm-hmm. Texas A&M. I forget about the redshirt year. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting here thinking you're a third year sophomore. You're you're a fourth year junior. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's go back before that. Um, growing up, Houston area, mm-hmm. yes, and uh, where'd you play? Uh, I played at Cy Woods High School, and then I, uh, my last year I played at Satch Home School. And it was home school, right? Yeah. So was it more of the AAU circuit that got you recruited, or how did that? How does that work out of the home school situation? Um, or, or was it a full team? I mean, I, I'm I'm yeah. ignorant to it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, my first three years at Cy Woods, I didn't. I played on JV my freshman year, and then sophomore year, um, I played, and then junior year I played, and then my senior year, I, my grades were low. And I was struggling, so I had to transfer to, not transfer, but like I had to get out of different situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to do homeschool. And then I found like a Christian homeschool team. Okay. Um, the coach was uh, like a friend of my parents, and then like I knew people on the team already, so it was all cool. And I, mean, I just joined. Were you guys them. good? Oh yeah, we was okay. good. And if all you right. don't know, um, we had a couple players on there. Antoine Davis, who last year he was think, second or third leading scorer in college basketball. So I mean, and, and in Evansville. Uh, they just beat Kentucky. Yep. Yeah, my, the big man for Evansville, yeah, he was on my team, too. You know who the legend of Evansville, the Purple Aces yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Craig Snow. It's Craig. <laughs> it's Craig Snow. Uh, oh, you talking about Craig Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you know he went to Evansville? No, nah, I didn't know he went there. Yeah, he was uh, back when they were still wearing sleeves on their jerseys and stuff. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was a preseason player of the year for the Missouri Valley one year, but, um, yeah, you'll have to give him a hard time. <laughs> um, okay, so from there you go to Texas A&M. Um, Tell me the situation you get recruited to at Texas A&M. Obviously, you sit out a year, and then your experience at Texas A&M was was what? What can Lobo? What do you want Lobo fans to know about your Texas A&M? Um, two years, year and a half. Um, I was there, so I got there in August of 2016, and uh, it was still up in the air if I was going to be eligible to play because of um, like my grades. I said like they didn't accept my homeschool work, like my school work for homeschool, so yeah. it was up in the air if they was going. Um, ruled me eligible so you know like before the season started they ruled me ineligible so I was just like I'll just take the red shirt because okay. I knew it was going to be possible so my first year was kind of tough you know just going to the game I, I wasn't allowed to practice I wasn't allowed to go to the uh, game oh, I didn't games. realize that I figured you would practice you, yeah, you nah, weren't even practicing I couldn't practice till December oh, okay it was weird so I wasn't around the team till December I didn't know anybody really I was just on campus I knew people because I was close to home but as, yeah. as far as on the team I was more close to football players so that's 16-17 season yeah yes, alright so 2016 you, you missed the first half of the season being around the team mm-hmm. so 2017 you are able to start practicing yeah. with them but you're redshirting yeah. and then the fall of 2017 you play until what January about February February yeah. is it February okay so then you're, you leave the program in February of 2017 and you are out of basketball. 2018. I'm sorry, 17, 18 season. Yeah. Right? So you are then out of basketball um, for like a year. Yeah. What are you doing for a year? Where <laughs> you, you weren't in school, right? Yeah. I mean, at first you were, were you trying to go pro. You're yeah, to, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So tell me that decision first, and then let's talk about what you did for a year before you came to UNM. You, you tried to, you tried the pro route, huh? Yeah, the pro route was it was weird. It was hard. It was hard. Like I. I, I did a couple like you know just workouts with you know a couple like just working out mm-hmm. a couple scouts whatever you want to call it and I mean like I had I wanted like I had a couple like whatever overseas you know like I could I could have done stuff yep. overseas but 
I got tired of just like having that doubt, like, oh, I could do this, I could. I was like, I'd rather just go back to college, you know, get my stuff back right. Yep. And I mean, uh, yeah, the pro decision, I, I, I didn't really want to do it, but you know, like, I just needed to give myself some type of, you know, goal to reach sure. and try to do that. So I mean, hopefully I get there. So you're sitting out a year though, yeah. and uh, you're getting recruited. Was it, who, who recruited you here? Was it mostly Mason? So, so Brandon Mason's checking in on you, and and it's not like he was catching you between practices or anything. Anything you did was on you, right? Yeah, yeah. I was I was living by myself in Dallas. Um, it was it was that was weird too, like just living on my own. How old are you right now? I'm 22. You're 22, so you were 21 a year ago, about when he was recruiting you. I was, was like 20. 20 and 21 when when yeah. the recruiting was going on. I mean. Living alone, twenty twenty one. That's that's hard to get self motivated to go get up and go practice. And stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I was still I was still working out um, every day in the gym. I wasn't like I still do the, do the same things. Like I was still okay. in the gym. And then um, I was close to my brother's house. He's from Dallas. He lives in Dallas, so it's easy for me just to go over there eat and be with his his family. So like, how old's your brother? He's about fifty something. Okay, he's older. So. So, you, so you got an older brother there that was nearby. So you you weren't totally alone, but you mm-hmm. had your own place and all yeah, that. Yeah, have my place in, in Carrollton. So all right. So how uh, you're, you're staying in shape and all that kind of stuff. You decided to come to UNM. How long did it take you here in uh, in that strength program? How long did it take you uh, to before? I think you told me in preseason you had a trash can. You you were hitting. Oh yeah. yeah. And it, how long did it take you before you're like, oh man, this is real? Oh, I mean, I, like. Whenever they told me about how they just do pits and stuff, like, that's normal, like, I, I, I can't stand that. Like, that's not a punishment. That's just something you guys do. That's what I'm saying. Like, P-Dub does it every day. I don't know why he does it himself. <laughs> like, I don't understand. But, yeah, no, Tyler Tyler told me, like, whenever I was here, I was lifting and everything. He was like, I'm going to get you this summer. Like, I'm going to get you. Like, you don't understand. It's about he did. Heck. Yeah, he did. He got me. He got me for sure. Like, it was plenty of times where I did want to give up, but, like, I just knew he wasn't going to let me. Like, he never let me like give up like not one time and like that that means more to me than anything else so it helped me keep going all right so now we're at the season let's let's get going on this season here mm-hmm. you are a pass first point guard mm-hmm. um you are a guy who's averaging over five assists i think it is i think your your steals are like a two three but that's because you actually had a couple games without any steals but yeah. but uh but let's go defense first what, what's your role um on this team defensively i know i know your coach i know paul's talked a lot about um Overall, the philosophy is we're protecting our bigs from foul trouble and we're keeping the ball out of the paint. We don't want dribble entry. We don't want um, you know them passing it in the paint. So what is your role to kind of make that happen? Um, coach just wants me to get after the ball. Like uh, They trust me not to foul, so I use that to my advantage. When I, I like to you know just pick at defenders. And I, coach, me and Coach Dan, we watch film on like what what like uh, certain players do when they turn the ball over. So like if a certain player does something like repeatedly in the game, we're going to watch that. We're going to know. So like, I think them just helping me defensively. Um, it's just like perimeter defense is such a key for us because we only have two bigs. Um, so it, it is like, it is on us, me, Quach, Quan is us. It's on us zero. It's on everybody to make sure we keep our bigs in the game. Um, were you always a defensive player? No. You better defense right now than you you were before. Yeah, my brother just texted me that the other day. He was like, "I'm watching these games and like you've never played defense ever. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> what's your brother's name? Cam. Cam. Okay, yeah, this is my other brother. I'm talking about. Okay, how many brothers, Jeff? I got a weird family, so it's, you got one of yeah, those families. Yeah, okay. I got one of the families. Like, I got I got like two brothers, like three brothers. It just depends on what you like. You got brothers, sisters, cousins. You yeah, got okay. That's what I'm saying. So 
Yeah. But he texted you got a text the other day from your brother. Yeah. And even he noticed like you're defending like you haven't <laughs> ever defended before. Yeah, like he's a defender, like he, he taught me how to play like mostly basketball, everything. So like he was the defender, like he would always he could still he still plays defense on me, so like it's just different. Like when he texts me stuff like that, it, it makes him sound because like he's really watching the game. Yeah. He's paying attention. So, you feel like you're you're. I mean, you feel like you're the best, one of the best perimeter defenders that you guys are. What nine games in now? I mean, how many perimeter defenders do you think have been better than you that you got you've gone against? Um, I don't know. Like, I, there's been some like uh, Javon McCormick. Mm-hmm. He's he's he he plays good D from yeah. Auburn. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays D. Um, we still got some games, but we haven't even got to the, you know, to like real conference yeah. in the middle. So, I mean, so far there's been some good guards we played, and so you got a ways to go in yeah. your mind still. Yeah, which is a good mindset to have, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, you still got improvement to. Let's flip over to the offensive side. Mm-hmm. People know you pass um, five assists a game. I want to ask you though, you need to to be the threat, um, to be a full threat at point guard. You bet you have to have a jumper. Do you have a jumper that's going to make you a threat? So far, you haven't shown it, but you you really haven't had to show it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But are you going to have a jumper that's going to make you an, an all around threat that they're they're not going to be able to sag off on you on defense and stuff like that? Yes, sir. I've been I've been I've been trying to uh, you know take that open three that I get or yeah. um, just just to keep the defense honest because that you're right. Like you know teams will start to sag back, sag off me, and I like coaching was telling me the other day like you know you just got to take that shot because that's just. You're you're a shooter. You, you shoot in practice. You shoot like you should be able. To, you should be able to make it. So is it a mindset thing right now? Is that you? You're actually thinking, okay, I got to get everybody involved. So I'm not. You're not even looking for your shot, or are you just not comfortable with your shot? Um, it just like how I play. Like um, I like I like feeding the post and cutting or giving it to a guy in his spot in his area. Yeah. So like I'm not really not looking to score. It's just like if I have four scores on my team already. Like and I'm already a pass first. Like that just means I need to become what I am is yeah. a pass first point guard. Yeah. But when times needed, like if we need a bucket or something, coach asks me like you know be aggressive. Then that's that's when. Well, all that stuff gets easier too if you can shoot a little bit too, though, yeah. right? So you're gonna have to show that. Um, you guys are starting conference play this week. I don't know how much a guy from from Houston who went to Texas A&M who's only been here you know for I guess playing wise for a month now. Yeah. How much you even know about the Mountain West and all that, but. But you understand conference is a, is just a different beast, though. Oh, yeah. um, what are you expecting with Mountain West Conference play? Um, I know I know every game is not gonna like every game is gonna be hard, like just because like this, this league is really talented, especially this year. Um, just like the top five, top six teams could be NCAA teams, I think. So like it's just we got a tough conference, and people don't really realize that right now. But I think when conference gets going and they see how things pan out. They will see like Mountain West Conference is like really good. Let's. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of wind it down here with this. You guys, the first four games because you scored so much, mm-hmm. and I know the the competition level was what it was. But you guys scored so much your first four games. Everyone <coughs> thought this was just an offensive team that that was going to just be scoring like that all year. You guys are so gifted offensively. The next four games, while you split two and two, you guys actually played really good defense over those four games. Um, I know Sunday with Montana was just sort of an ugly game. They're, they're a really good defense team. Mm-hmm. But I want to kind of break the first four when you were an offense. Everyone thought you were going to be a great offensive team to the next four when you guys showed your defense. You, you combine those two, and, and what are you guys? What is the identity of this team? Are you an offensive team? Are we, you a defensive team? We haven't even, like, I don't think we've touched what we can even get to yet, like, as far as playing both sides of the ball the whole game. Um, 
I think for us, we have to have a good start to the game. And that rely, that, that, that's on me. Like, I have to come out there with a good energy. And I think the start of the games matters more than what people think it does because that, that sets the tone right there. And like you said, Montana played good defense. Uh, and we just want to, we want to be able to win with like how we play. We want to trust who we have on the court at all times. And I think that's what every game we're getting more of that, like saltating coming in the game hit a three, play good defense. Like, that's just we, like, that's, that's just what we do. We, we want to do that all year. You guys have so many pieces on this team, though. When did you sort of realize, like, because you're a pass-first guy, you like getting everyone else involved. Like, you were having fun with this, but, like, it helps to have guys that can score in each position, right? I mean, when you said earlier you have four guys, four scorers on the floor, like, how much fun is that for a guy who considers himself a pass-first point guard? Super fun. Like, because coach gives me a lot of freedom you know, to uh, play whatever type of way I want to play, and it, just as long as I'm playing my way. So that's that's like that's like heaven. So, it, like, feeding WAP and feeding CB on the post, like, that's – like, I, I, like you can ask them. I love doing that. Like, All right. So. Very last question, and I'm going to let you get to practice. Mm. You have a fast break, and somehow – I don't know how it works out, but somehow you have Carlton and WAP both open. You have Jaquan, Vance, Zane. Like, somehow – you have all your teammates wide uh, open. Who is who are you, who is the who is the pass first point guard passing to? You, if you, if you have that. multiple guys open, who's I'll, your favorite guy to pass to? You can't even answer. I can't answer that. That's probably the right answer. Yeah, I can't answer. That. <laughs> that's I probably the that. right answer. I like passing to everybody. In that situation, that's when you get to work on your jump shot, right? You just yep. get to pull up. Yep. And, and I'm about to say, I was going there and dunk it. They all they they getting covered if we got 15 players on the court. <laughs> are you going to dunk this year? I'm gonna get one for sure. Yeah. I don't be leaking out. That's the only reason why. If I leaked out, like, I'll be trying to get rebounds. So All right. I well, I, look, I gave Carlton a hard time about he said he was going to hit a three. I told him he, I didn't think he was. It, it just, he was very December 1st. He already got his three. Yeah, so it, yeah. if you say you're going to get a dunk, I, I don't know you. about it, but we'll see. I got you. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with J.J. Caldwell. I know he's a, a player that is still somewhat new to a lot of Lobo fans, even – as far as the new players go, at least some of those other new players that are playing for the Lobos were here last year, sitting out as a transfer, such as Zane Martin or Jaquan Lyle, who's been around Albuquerque and been around the program for the past two years before being a new Lobo this year. J.J. Caldwell's a guy who just got here over the summer, brand new, and really the way he's been defending more than anything, I think, is is what gives the Lobos a chance to compete in the for a Mountain West title this year. Now, that starts Wednesday night. Boise State is one of the teams that can beat, in my mind, the top tier in the Mountain West is a three-team race. But Boise State, Nevada on any given night, and and I will say at this point, just a month into the year, that I think Colorado State's going to be a tough out too. So I would say those three teams, Nevada, Boise State, and Colorado State, are kind of second-tier Mountain West teams, but capable of beating that top tier on any given night. In Monday, or Monday night anyway, posted online on abqjournal.com slash sports, where was kind of a opening the Mountain West season column that I wrote that included some power rankings. I'll revisit this at the end of December, which is when I usually do a column like that a couple months into the season. But because this year they have to insert one week of conference games in early December to accommodate them moving the conference tournament, which is usually the second weekend of March up to the first weekend of March this year, they needed to find an extra week of conference games somewhere along the way. That's where we are. That's why this week there are two conference games for most Mountain West schools, including Boise State at New Mexico on Wednesday night. 
The Lobos then play at Wyoming on Saturday. Anyway, that's why we're kind of doing some of the Mountain West preview right now and, and where things stand. There will only be two games, and then the rest of the, the month, the rest of December, we'll be back to non-conference play, and we'll re revisit the league then. But as things stand right now, here's what I did with my power rankings in the column I wrote for Tuesday's print edition of the journal. And like I said, it was also online on Monday night on abqjournal.com. So my number one team in the Mountain West right now is San Diego State. I think they clearly have looked like the best team. I still think that any one of the top three can win this league, but right now San Diego State has looked the best. I don't know that they've beaten the NCAA tournament team yet. Creighton and Iowa will certainly be in contention for the NCAA tournament. They also have a win. The Aztecs do a road win at BYU, but that was without their best player. So maybe BYU gets in the tournament, and by the end of the year when their best player is back, they'll be a pretty good team. I just, right now, it's clear they're the best team playing that way but I don't know quite how good they are because I don't know the level of competition they've played, but that, you could say that about an awful lot of teams four weeks into the year. The non-conference slate, especially for Mountain West teams, doesn't always include a bunch of pre premier matchups. So at number two, I have Utah State. They were the preseason favorite to win the league. Um, should still be considered that by a lot of people. I think that's safe to say because they are playing without their their star center, Nemias Keda. He is still out with a knee injury kind of been a little bit, um, I don't know, um, cryptic about when he's coming back. They're, they're not exactly being entirely forthcoming, and maybe they just don't know for sure when he's coming back. But it does sound like he's coming back, and when he does, they'll be a much better team. That said, they've been playing pretty well without him. They do have a road loss at St. Mary's, and St. Mary's is a good, not great team. And I do think with um, Kada back, they probably would have won that game. So, Anybody that still has Utah State ranked in their AP Top 25 poll, I'm okay with that. They are still ranked this week at 25, though I dropped them from the ballot and I put San Diego State in. Um, it's not necessarily an either-or kind of thing, but there's about four or five teams that are kind of vying for that 24 and 25 spot, so two or three of them that I think could easily be in the Top 25, I had to leave off my poll. Utah State happened to be that this week. Number three in the Mountain West power rankings right now a month into the season, I have New Mexico. They were preseason. I picked them number two. I did drop them down one spot, but like I said, these top three teams, I, don't, I haven't seen anything from the Lobos that doesn't make me still think they will compete for a league title this year because they will. I think they will. They're defending well enough. Their offense, which, you know, four games into the season, everybody thought, oh, my goodness, this team's going to going to just blow everybody out of the water with their offense. So look at all these shooters and scorers and finishers and well, that actually has been their problem since those first four games. Their defense has been much better, and it's been their offense that isn't firing on all cylinders. So assuming that happens, I still think New Mexico, Utah State, and San Diego State could be vying for a Mountain West title. I'll give the edge in scheduling to New Mexico because they play one of, the, of those three. They only play Utah State once, and it's at the pit on the final game of the season. So when it comes to conference scheduling, New Mexico actually has the slight edge over those other two. On the next tier of teams, I'm going with Nevada at four, and Boise State at five, and Colorado State at six. Now those three, four, five, six, I, I kind of lump into one group. Colorado State might be pushing it a little bit, but I've, I've seen enough from them that I do think they're going to be a tough out, certainly in Fort Collins at Moby. I think Nico Medved in his second season is is really kind of, he surprised me. I mean, I picked them preseason nine. Um, I probably should have picked them preseason eight. I remember right before I submitted the ballot, the very last change, last minute I made was I had Colorado State eight, 
UNLV 9. Donnie Tillman at UNLV had been declared eligible, and I probably gave into the the every year hype of around UNLV, which is always unwarranted. Um, I probably gave into that a little bit and bumped up one spot a UNLV team to eight and dropped Colorado State to nine. So we're splitting hairs. I still pick Colorado State nine. At best, I could have picked them eight in the preseason, but right now I have them in the second tier of four, five, and six. I'm lumping them in right at six behind Boise State. I do think that any one of these three teams can be any of the top teams on a given night. So it'll be interesting. Um, whether or not these three teams can make a run for a title, I, I think that might be pushing it a little bit. Nevada is a team that has very good guard play. I don't think they have the post play to make a run. Boise State, as Lobo fans are about to see on Wednesday night, has they might have an NBA prospect in, in Derek Alston coming in, but they are also getting huge minutes from an undersized post player, 6'7", R.J. Williams. He's a guy drawing 7.9 fouls per 40 minutes right now. He's only playing about 23, 25 minutes a game, but he is a very efficient um, player right now, offensive player, and he's causing problems for teams. This Boise State team, however, they don't use the bench much. They are 333rd out of 353 Division I teams in bench minutes, so I don't know that it's a lack of depth, but they're certainly not using the depth at this point. So we'll see how that plays in to playing teams like New Mexico, who right now lead the nation in free throw attempts and free throws made. I know Nevada's a team. Steve Alford's and Craig Neal's philosophy for years was shoot more free throws than or make more free throws than your opponents even attempt. So a lot of teams in this league try and get a lot of their points from the free throw line. If Boise State starts getting teams in, or players in foul trouble, then you know they'll have to go to that bench, and then we'll see what they have. Right now, we haven't seen their bench a whole lot. But I think those three teams are four, five, and six. If you want to drop down to the next tier, I'll go UNLV, Air Force, and Fresno State, all three into the third tier right now. UNLV is a team that, even though their record's not very good, they've gone to overtime several times, which shows over a 40-minute game. Obviously, they've been competitive and within striking distance for a win. Good for them. Um, they haven't had any big wins yet, but they've been in a lot of games. Air Force, kind of a disappointment at this part. At this point in the season, I thought they'd be better because they returned so many players. But a lot of things are going on this time of year at the academy that aren't basketball, making basketball the priority. So they're a team that's tough, especially in the offseason. They're not all summer long working on basketball like all these other teams. So Air Force has been a traditional slow starter. Inserting a week of conference games into December probably affects them a lot um, compared to other teams just in general because they are a slow starting team usually. They think they get things going in January usually. So we'll see how Air Force looks. I have them slotted at eight right now in the league and Fresno State at nine. Fresno State's been a little disappointing. Yes, they've played a very tough schedule, but so far they've been a little disappointing in my mind. Um, certainly a bad loss the other night to Cal State Northridge without their best player. So I'm, I'm a little, I don't want to, Say Fresno State's not going to have a good year because they could still bounce back, I think. Um, but right now, they, they haven't shown it. And we're a month into the year at this point, so season anyway. I do have Wyoming on the bottom tier with San Jose State. San Jose State actually has a few wins, a really good road win at Hofstra. That's why I don't want to put them at the bottom right now by themselves. I do think Wyoming has played a tremendously tough you know, tough schedule. They have four top 100 opponents that they've played. They didn't win any of them, and they weren't all that competitive, but they've played more top 100 games than than anybody in the league. So I'll kind of point to that a little bit as to, you know, let's not jump to conclusions too much on Wyoming yet. They've played a very tough schedule, but they haven't looked all that impressive either. I do like Hunter Maldonado quite a bit. 
But right now I have Wyoming at 10, San Jose State at 11. Those are my power rankings in the Mountain West as we go into league play right now. I do think that the Lobo-Boise State game Wednesday night in the pit is one of the two really, really interesting first first night matchups. I think San Diego State at Colorado State. Normally I wouldn't think that was that big of a game, but because it is a road game for San Diego State, that one could get interesting. But I also think that Boise State is capable of beating the Lobos if these new if the transfers and the new look lobos don't quite understand that Boise State's a team every year until except for last year if they don't understand that Boise State's as good as they have been traditionally you know the Broncos could come into the pit and knock the lobos off so that's where I'm at with Mountain West play the lobos do start on Wednesday night what else comes with Mountain West play is I pick the basketball games every against the point spread every Mountain West game I post them all on Twitter before the game so you'll know all of my picks before the games even start and you can follow along. Make fun of me when I lose. I'm sure all of you guys will cheer me on when I get them right. But um, more than that, I, I just like picking the games and kind of keeping the conversation going throughout the year. I also travel a lot in my job. So I wanted a couple of years ago to to keep my daughter involved with my travel a little bit. So I had her starting to pick games against me. Just thought it'd be fun for me and her. And the way she picks games is by flipping a coin. So I started posting her picks on Twitter. And the coin, slowly but surely, started beating me. She would get three games right one night, and I'd get two. She'd get four games right, I might get one. And fans of hers and of basketball teams around the league and coaches and even a couple referees have have commented to me that they followed the coin's picks. And it became a hashtag team coin thing. She did beat me two years ago. Last year, I was able to, to get a little bit of revenge, but... She beat me flipping a coin two years ago and kind of became a mini little, in, in her world, certainly a big celebrity, but a mini little Twitter celebrity for for the Mountain West um, for, for a small moment in time two years ago. And she keeps picking games. She loves talking trash. She's now 10 years old, still doesn't know a whole lot about basketball at all, and that's just fine with me. She's a dancer. She's obviously in school, stuff like that. But she's not, she's not the sports person I am, but she knows – that uh, she's doing something that if she beats dad, she gets to talk a lot of trash. I have her now on the podcast, so if you'll indulge me a little bit, if you aren't interested at all, now's a good time to sign off on the podcast. Um, hope you enjoyed the interview with J.J. Caldwell and a little bit of the Mountain West breakdown, but now, a little special treat for myself, here's an interview I had with my daughter, Jaden Grammer. Tonight, I am doing a quick recording with the other talking grammar in the house, the maybe more likable talking grammar that a lot of you know on Twitter, the one who beats me every year when she picks games. This is my 10-year-old daughter, Jaden. Jaden, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing very good, and I think what we need to uh, cut to the chase and, and get to right now is why you're here on my podcast, my talking grammar podcast, what makes you think you can just barge your way in here and, and take over the podcast. Well, Dad, you aren't the only talking grammar. All right. You're going to get yourself in trouble, I can already tell. All right. So, uh, real quick, um, my daughter, like I said, Jaden, um, she is, why don't you tell them how old you are and maybe some of the things you got going on, and then we'll get to the, cut to the chase as to why you're on my basketball um, podcast. So, how old are you, Jaden? I'm 10 years old. You in school? You got a job? What do you got going on? I'm in school, of course. What grade? Fifth. All right. And what else you got going on? 
Well, in a couple of weeks, I have a production going on um, of flamenco dancing. It's La Estrella. And what's the like the company, the the group that uh, you do your school? I guess is the the right term. Your dance school. What do you? Uh, who do you dance with? The National Institute of Flamenco. So you think you're a pretty good dancer, right? You're already the second best dancer in the house. Uh, I think I'm in the first. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see about that. All right. So as for this podcast and why you're on the Talking Grammar Basketball podcast right now, uh, a couple years ago, for those that don't know, um, to kind of keep my daughter involved while I travel a lot, I decided to, as I pick college basketball games throughout the Mountain West season, and I pick them against the point spread, I kept her involved by having her pick games against me just to kind of show people how as much as I think I know about college basketball, anybody who doesn't even follow the sport could probably do just about as good against the point spread. So she started picking games by flipping a coin. Funny thing happened along the way. Dad and all his uh, big brains thought he was going to be able to beat his daughter. Didn't quite do that. What happened a couple years ago when you were flipping coins? I completely defeated you. And not only did you completely defeat me, as you put it, Talked a little bit of trash about it, too, and I think you're still grounded now that I remember correctly. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see about that, too. All right, so this is, um, I think, the third year that we're going to be doing games and picking games against each other in Grammar's Guesses. And we have a, an added bonus that we'll get to in a little bit. But why don't you explain to people what we do when we pick games? First of all, my part of the picking is I study the teams, I follow the conference, I make all these great, brilliant, very smart decisions, and... I decide who's going to win because I'm that smart. And then you come along, and how do you pick the games? Well, I have this special coin, and it's a wheat coin. And it, and uh, I flip a coin, and um, I that's how I decide what team it is. Heads, uh, if it lands on heads, it's home team. And if it lands on tails, it's the road team. And we go game by game, and I tell her which game we're picking next. So, yep, she flips a coin and ends up beating me half the time. So, um, this year we're adding something to the uh, to the grammar's guesses, and it's because we have a new addition to the family. We got a new talking grammar, although it's not so much talking right now as much as she's just screaming her head off half the time. Um, but we have a, a new addition to the family. You want to tell the listeners about that? Yes, her name is Amelia. She's my little sister. And we will be having something called a baby baby girl bonus. Yeah, the baby girl bonus game of the week, or, or maybe twice a week, because most Mountain West games are on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Maybe every Wednesday and Saturday we're going to have one extra game that we're going to have the baby girl grammar bonus game of the week, and big sister Jaden is going to help her little sister with picking that game. How are you going to do it? Have you decided yet? Yes, I have. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to hold two of her toys. One is a rattle and one is a like a when like a teething ring. And I'll see which one she touches first. Right hand is the road team and left hand is the home team, and whichever one she touches first or grabs is the one she chooses. And so you also, so the people listening know, um, what I do is I pick the games ahead of time, and we, we come up with whatever the, the Vegas point spread 
um, is at the time, and, and we do go by the point spread, even though it's just a coin flip, or in the case of, of Amelia, the she's going to pick her favorite toy, it sounds like. Um, we know ahead of time we're going to go with the road team, no matter what the point spread is for that team, or the home or the um, home team, no matter what the point spread is, and that's how that's how we're doing it. So it's still going to be a, a point spread kind of decision, but it's uh, more chance for both of them, and uh, hopefully a little more skill and educated guess for me. I think we got to put something on the line this year because while in the past couple of years um, my daughter certainly has talked trash to me when she wins, she there hasn't exactly been a prize on the line this year. I think we need to put something on the line, and I'll go first. If I win, here's what I want. Are you ready for this? Yes. If I win one full month of whenever mom goes to work early in the morning, one full month of me getting to sleep in, and you're in charge of all early morning diapers. Does that sound fair? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. And if you win, you have any thoughts on what you might want? And no, let's not get all crazy and just say candy or junk food or something like that. What do you get if if you win this year? What's the prize going to be for you? Well, you know how you travel a lot, and you sometimes go to Las Vegas a lot? Quite a bit. Yeah, sounds like you've thought about this, actually. Um, well, I think it's fair that you take me to one of those trips. So you want to go to Las Vegas and we can make some real money. So if you beat me picking games, that sounds like a good idea, actually. So we'll go to Las Vegas and, and maybe uh, see if we can win some real money in Vegas. Is that what you want? Mm, not really. I really want to go to see that M&M shop. <laughs> You're crazy. All right. Well, there you go. Um, that's my 10-year-old daughter, Jaden. Um, hopefully this will, this will be another fun year of picking games against her and with her being a part of it all. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. I do post the games every Wednesday. Well, whenever they play. Uh, the night before Mountain West College basketball games, I'll post my picks, her picks, and the baby girl bonus pick I'll post on my Twitter account. So I appreciate her being a part of this, and I appreciate you guys all for listening to this podcast and and also for following along on Twitter and just kind of making it something fun that we get to do as a family. So as uh, as I'm signing off, Jaden, you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Goodbye.